This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 603 with Laura Jack. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 603. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. As the founder of The Compassion Code, compassionate communication coach, international best-selling author and trainer for the Grief Recovery Institute, Laura Jack guides heart-centered leaders to relate, communicate, and lead more compassionately through loss and change of any kind without burning out. I invited Laura to come on the show to talk about the story of losing her mom, a story of sudden tragedy marked by heartbreak, grief, and ultimately triumph. Listen in to hear Laura share the story and deep impact of losing her mom in a freak tragic accident in 2008, the uprooting of losing her mom and how she had to rebuild her sense of identity after that loss, how motherhood is a grieving experience that no one warned you about, how to redefine and reframe grief, how her former life as Little Miss Sunshine and Silver Linings diminished her capacity to feel compassionate toward others, and how she had to learn to stop suppressing negative feelings, how she found her monster mommy through her son after suppressing anger and hard feelings throughout her life, how she teaches moms to rage in a, yes, rage in a safe and productive way, and how we are all constantly navigating grief and the key to managing the constant inevitable grief that we endure. This was a really fascinating conversation. There's so many concepts that we took and flipped upside down. I'm so grateful to Laura and her work. And I think you're going to learn some really great tools today, but also you're going to reframe things like grief and rage in ways that I think will give you some peace and also give you a positive, I don't know if positive is the right word, but give you a productive way to process hard things, which is ultimately positive. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Laura Jack to the Shameless Mom Academy. Laura, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's so good to be here too. Oh my goodness. We had a really fun pre-interview chat. So I can tell that this conversation is going to go to great places. Yes, I agree. I'm just giggling inside, just thinking about it. Yay. Okay. So I want you to start us off telling us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond what we just heard in your bio and tell us what you're most excited about right now. 
Gosh. So I think I'm going to go in what I'm most excited about first, and then I'll get into the dynamics of my personal and professional life. Got it. So the thing I'm most excited about is that yesterday I found an illustrator for my children's books that I've been working on for the last couple of, well, working on, like they each took about 15 minutes, right? But then they kind of, you sit on them, right? Mm, And yesterday, yes, I met with this amazing illustrator and it just, she, her like, art speaks to my soul so deeply. Mm. And she, I found out that her mom had died in January of 2020, which my mom died in January of 08. And so she said, and she lives in Mexico. And so she said, my mom's soul and your mom's soul put us together. And I felt that that was so true. Oh, how um, beautiful. And so that's what I'm so excited about because I'm ready for these books to get on the world, but to have them with the right illustrations is going to make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And did you want to add anything yes, about the dynamics? Sure. Of yes, sure. First of all, I mean, like, I that felt like there a, was something there. Sure. That's like, it's such a giant question, right? But personal and professional. So my husband and I have been working together for the last decade, more or less. I mean, basically from the moment we met, which was 14 years ago, I was running a backpacker hostel and he was running an eco lodge on a different Island in Panama. And within a few weeks, he was living in the hostel with me because his job was up for the summer and he was going to go back to Seattle where he's from. And instead he was like, Hey, can I come work slash live with you for the summer? And I was like, uh, let me talk to my business partners. So that began, the answer ended up being yes. And that began our work life relationship because he worked for me then painting the hostel, like checking in guests, doing all this stuff. And now over the last decade, he's been doing the back end kind of operational logistical stuff for me and my business, you know, doing my coaching and consulting. So it's interesting how in the first moments of us meeting, it kind of mirrored the rest of our relationship so far. And so it's complicated the dynamics of my personal and professional life because it is so intertwined literally in every moment of every day. I mean, my daughter's like, I want you to make meditations for all the children's of the world. You know, like my six-year-old. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> so my like everybody's not in. invested in my work in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my son could care less. He doesn't know what I do is never asked, but he's also three. So we'll see what happens with right. that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. My son is nine and increasingly aware that social media is a thing, but he doesn't know much about it. Mm-hmm. So he'll ask me like, he wants to know how many followers I have on social media. I don't am. I'm like, I don't know. Cause that's not an important number to, for people to know. I'm like trying to make up oh all these gosh. things that I hope he'll believe. But then oh he asked gosh. me the other day about, Oh, he was asking me about Marco. Are you familiar with Marco? Polo? Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's like, mom, like how many Marco Polo followers do you have? And just when you put Marco Polos out, like does the whole world see them? And I'm trying, I'm like seeing him like trying to connect these dots. I'm like, you're not allowed to know these. (laughs) You're like, like, yes, son, I am super famous and lots of people love me. I want to shelter him and be like, there's the internet is not a thing. It does not exist. (laughs) Which is so interesting because I hope during this conversation, we can talk a little bit about that because I definitely, one of the, my upcoming books that I'm working on right now is called compassionate conversations with kids, how to talk about really tough things. And I feel like the internet is one of those tough it things. Is, it is. I mean, it's like a huge gift and he has access to an iPad. He does know, you know, some, a thing or two, but I'm just increasingly aware of like yeah. what I'm not going to have control over. I think that's like the, oh, that's absolutely. the underlying thing there. Like, what am I not going to have control yeah. over? And it's like quite a bit of stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just one more step of not having control over it. Yes. Like every day you lose them more. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. And I they guess. become independent and amazing and all the other things that yes. we like want for them. And also that we like cry secretly in our yes. beds afterwards. Yes. 100%. Oh my goodness. So I want to step back to before motherhood for you, because when we originally connected about this conversation, you wanted to talk about the loss of your mom, which you already referenced. And yeah. I would love, this is actually something we haven't really taken time to dive into. Mm. And it's something I'm so fortunate. My mom is still alive and my husband lost his mom a few years ago. And it's something we haven't tackled on the show. Like, what is that loss like? And I know it's different for everyone. I don't want to say I was excited to have this conversation, but I was touched. And I thought this is a really great conversation that I think 
deserves some space. So can you tell your story of the heartbreak, grief, and then triumph of losing your mom and tell us a little bit about your mom kind of in the process of sharing that story? For sure. Yes. And I also am excited to talk about this. I love talking about my mother. So, and I do grief work for my living. So it doesn't scare me or bother me anymore (laughs) to Mm -hmm. talk about it. So just for those people being like, Oh my God, that's a big, scary question. It's not for me. So my mom, her name was Jan and she died in 2008. She was actually hit by a car. She was walking and crossing the street and she was, it was like a total freak, tragic thing. And I was living down in Panama at the time. And it was definitely the most shocking and earth shaking thing I've ever had experienced or I had ever experienced. And I hope to ever experience in my whole life. And I would say like that single moment in time where she died and then the aftermath of it has changed the whole trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. And the grief for me was so deep as we can imagine as mothers thinking about losing children and, or, you know, thinking about losing our own parents, I call it the belly button relationship because you're so deeply connected to your mom, even if it's not your birth mother, it doesn't matter, but the mom who raised you. And for me, it was my birth mother also, you know, and so we were connected by our belly buttons. And so losing her, I don't feel like it affected me the way it affected my dad to lose my mom. You know, he lost his wife of, you know, however many years, I guess 33. And he was devastated because his daily life was so abruptly disrupted and his, you know, he lost his love. Right. But for me, my immediate reaction was different because I hadn't been in my mom's daily life for several years. Cause I was 25 yeah. living in a foreign country. And, but my loss, the navigation of my loss was basically like pulling myself out by the roots and then having to figure out who the heck I was without her because it's so foundational to every story I had ever told myself about myself was in relationship to my mother. And so losing her was just such a crazy experience and actually really prevented me from even wanting to be a mom for a while. I had to do a lot of my own healing in order to even decide to step into motherhood, because I was like, how the heck am I supposed to do this without my mom? Like Mm, she would have been there for me and by my side And, you know, some of the triumph and, you know, it's such a long and beautiful story in many ways, but one of the fast forward triumphs was that as I did my healing work and as I, you know, completed the pain, but really stayed connected to the fondness of our relationship, I actually was able to not only embrace her loss, but really find the freedom of making my own choices without her input, because her input and her opinions were so important to me that when she was gone, I got to make them up for myself. And so, you know, one of the great learnings for me during my pregnancy was my mom's pregnancy doesn't have to define me because I feel like we, you know, the doctor even asks you like, what was your mother's pregnancy like? So that they can like get some information kind of, but what I realized is I didn't really know a whole lot about my mom's birth with me and like her pregnancy and delivery. I had some basic details. My dad had no memory except that my mom's <laughs> boobs had gotten like huge, which I was like, thanks dad. Like great. Yeah, super helpful. Very right, helpful. Yeah, Thank super you. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I like can tell that by looking down at my own chest. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but it was just one of those things where I was like, I have no idea. And therefore I get to decide for myself. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there was this huge freedom of, I don't have to tell my mom's story. Doesn't have to be my story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was really helpful. Thank you for sharing all that. And what was really impactful from that story, which I didn't expect, but absolutely makes sense is the unrooting that you described Mm -hmm. and that sense of being completely unrooted and then having to rebuild your sense of identity. And what I thought of in that moment was that is exactly how I felt after Mm -hmm. I had my son. And it was this, I mean, it wasn't a moment. It was like a whole year of like, (laughs) it was actually like three years, but that first year I kept thinking, pretty soon it'll all go back to normal. And Mm -hmm. then I, after a year, I was like, oh, it's not going back to normal. And what does that even mean? And I'm imagining this is, this sounds like it paralleled your experience of, holy cow, this is, everything's different now. And where do I begin and how do I start? And like, how do you start the rerouting of who you are? Oh yeah. And honestly, like what you've just described is something I love educating people about because motherhood is a grieving experience, just like death, Mm. because it's the death of the old self. 
And it's like grief, as we define it, is the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations, but it's also the conflicting feelings that come when things change. And what bigger change in life, you know, than death is birth, right? And that birth of someone new into your world and it changes everything. It changes every familiar pattern of behavior that you have. So we just have to talk about this for a second. That yeah. Nobody warns you that motherhood is a grieving experience. I and know. that would have actually been helpful to me <laughs> because yeah. I think that everyone was like, it'll be hard. And they'll like, there's this period of adjustment. And it was mostly like, it'll be hard as you adapt to like new stimulus, like a screaming baby and feeding the baby before you feed yourself and like not sleeping, but no one described it as a grieving experience. And that was absolutely that grieving of that former sense of self that yeah. was completely like you said, like up, this uprooting that yeah. no one warned you about. And I'm not, I don't know that we need to market motherhood as a grieving process, but it could be super valuable for people to know that that's part of the experience. Totally. And there's something great about that, oh, but yeah. like, just know that this is happening and it's normal. Cause I thought it was very abnormal. Yeah. And I was also mad that no one told me like the, nobody right. warned me. And that's no how I felt about that. breastfeeding. I was like, how come oh, nobody God. told me I needed a whole new wardrobe? Like yeah. what the heck? That I was too. so upset. I was like, this is hard yeah. and it sucks and it hurts. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is its own whole thing. 100%. Like, why doesn't anybody tell you this? And so like, I actually do a lot of talking about motherhood as a grieving experience because mm. I also feel like you also have to redefine grief because grief people yeah. think of death. And then they're like, wait, what? It's not dying. And you're like, yeah, it's a death of old self because, yeah. and then that's why, you know, relationships, everybody grieves differently. So relationships struggle because it's like, it's not really a joke. That's not the right word. But I always say that, you know, postpartum is really just grief plus hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're grieving all of our, we're grieving how our body used to be. We're grieving the fact that we used to sleep. We're grieving how we used to feel hot ever. If we ever did, (laughs) we're grieving, like, you know, all the things we're grieving that we used to be able to go places and do things without having to think them through a billion things before we go, which COVID has really helped most people understand how hard that is. Right. But it's just like, wow, there is so much to think about and doing it with very little sleep is like torture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This episode is supported by Talkspace. Oh my goodness. We have shifted so many things in the last 20 months and it seems like the shifting never ends and the processing of the shifting is so necessary. I know that I was actually just talking to my therapist yesterday about how are so many things coming up now? Like things that I didn't need to process and talk about before, things that I thought I had well-managed in my head are now coming to the surface and I'm needing to talk about them and needing to figure things out and needing to set boundaries in new ways and have conversations in new ways. And I know I'm not alone in this. And the reason I know this is because I know that so many of you have also gone to therapy this year and many of you have used Talkspace. So Talkspace is therapy done in like the 2021 way where you don't have to make an appointment weeks in advance and drive across town. Everything Talkspace does makes therapy more accessible, more affordable, and more convenient to you. So when you decide that you want to work with Talkspace, you go to their online platform and you immediately are going to be able to be connected to thousands of licensed therapists available from across dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messaging with your dedicated therapist. So Talkspace gives you the access to a therapist that can serve your specific needs no matter where you are in the country related to them. And no matter what your schedule is, you are going to be able to find someone who can meet your specific needs. So if you need a little support right now to get you through the end of the year or maybe to start building toward a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code SHAMELESS. That's $100 off your first month when you go to Talkspace.com and use the code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, 
It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Tell us a little bit about how losing your mom led to your life's purpose. Yeah, well, basically I had been suppressing all of my feelings all my life, except for happiness. Mm. So I had to learn. Oh, like little miss toxic positivity. Oh, totally. (laughs) I was like little miss sunshine and silver linings. Mm. And I like, actually the book I wrote is basically like how to not be me back in the (laughs) day, like how to not do what I always did because essentially like I wasn't always very compassionate, even though I was thought I was, I thought I was being great, but ultimately I was kind of diminishing and dismissive without even meaning to be, Oh, at least blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And that's not cool. You know? And so I would diminish people's experiences by trying to find the silver lining because that's what I was taught. I wasn't taught that I was allowed to have feelings beyond, Oh, you're the happy one. You're the positive one. Oh, you know? And so I had spent all my life really suppressing everything, you know, whether it was anger or frustration or disappointment, always finding the good in every scenario. And so my mom's death really made it impossible for me to find that. I mean, I even tried right away. I was like, at least she was doing something she loved when she died. At least she had lived a great life. At least Mm -hmm. we were close. And I at least did the shit out of myself. And, you know, now I have a whole thing like letting go of the, at least because, ultimately at least, I mean, I was totally diminishing how heartbroken and devastated I was. Yeah. And so it led me down to learning how to actually feel my feelings. Yeah. I so appreciate that. And it's interesting. I have a similar coping mechanism of the, (laughs) at least, and I don't feel like I push it upon other people, but I feel like it's my own. Like if I'm complaining to my husband about something and I'll like get all my venting out, but then I'm like, I follow it up with like, I know, but I know at least X, Y, Z, like, I know it's not that bad. I know I'm freaking out, but like, and here's this at least part. Um, (laughs) And it's interesting learning how to like sit it just let things be hard or bad or negative or, and not have to find the silver lining, but then also like at a certain point recognizing like, okay, so I've sat with this for a while. Right. 
And it like, where's that fine line of where it's no longer productive to sit with the crap and let it be crap and like decide that you're going to get yourself back up and then like find the one at least so that you can keep going. And so that you aren't consumed by how the hard feelings or, and the relentlessness, I mean, and especially at a time like this, like the relentlessness that, that can come with that. Well, I think most feelings just want to be expressed. Yeah. So like, if you think of a feeling almost like a baby, it's like when you're pissed or you're angry or you're sad, you, most of the time you just want to feel it. And the more we avoid it and suppress it, the louder it gets. Just like if the baby's crying, it might start, it's like a whimper. And then it gets louder and louder. If we don't go, if we don't hear it or whatever, they get louder and louder and eventually they shut up. But sometimes to the detriment of the body, because if we don't let our feelings express themselves, like that's where disease comes from because we have suppressed feelings and they have to come out somehow. And sometimes they come out in outrage, right? We've been enraged and now we're outraged because it has to express itself. A lot of times though, if we don't do it in a healthy way, it comes out sideways, which obviously is no good. And so I think it's really important to give it space. And I just want to tell you that part of why we do that whole, at least thing, especially with our partners is because we are trying to prevent them from doing that to us. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's a protective mechanism because most people don't let you just sit in it. And so we're like, okay, I know, I know, I know like life is great and it'll be fine. And you like at least yourself so that you don't have to get it from them. But ultimately, if you actually have somebody in your life who can be like, yeah, that really sucks, which is, you know, I teach acknowledge and validate. God, that's really hard. Thanks for sharing without the, you know, without the whole, you know, okay, now what are we going to do about it? Come on, Sarah, get off your ass or whatever. Then we do it to ourselves to prevent that, to protect ourselves from like that heartbreak of feeling like we got misunderstood. Yeah. And it's like this little, you're, it's like you are dismissing yourself before someone else can do it. Exactly. And that's why people don't often talk about their grief is because they're so afraid of getting dismissed or having somebody say, oh, they're in a better place or, oh, at least you had 25 years with them or, oh, you can have more children or, oh, like you hated that guy anyway, or whatever, you know, fill in the blank thing that people say. It's like, we get so sick of hearing those things that we just stop. We start isolating ourselves and then we're isolated even more in our grief because we don't have a safe expression place. Yeah. And I, it's interesting. You brought up those examples of loss and I'm thinking of people who've gone through miscarriage and I'm actually oh, thinking yeah. of a friend of mine who had stillborn twins and the oh at least God. that she got were like, Ugh. she couldn't speak to people for like oh, yeah. a number of months because there was a number of comments yeah. <laughs> like so inappropriate, but also like no one, the helplessness of just saying, yeah, that's, I'm so sorry. And that, and I don't know what you're going through right now. And then just like sitting in that is like such a helpless feeling and yeah. we're not conditioned. We're like not taught to sit in that with someone. And so then we go to that really dismissive and absolutely inappropriate in these kinds of moments, yeah. positions of at least X, Y, Z, at least you can try again. At least you can have more children. Right. At least this shows you're fertile. Like all the weird things that people say, I know it's that true. Are so hurtful. And, and I joke in my book, I say, <laughs> if you haven't heard from someone in a while, it's probably because of this. And I also say, it's never too late to say you're sorry, because, yeah, totally. you know, it's like, once you've experienced loss yourself and you go through something tremendous like this, and then you come back to this person who you really, you know, maybe didn't do the best that you could have based on your own lack of understanding, then you can always say, Hey, gosh, I really messed up and I'm sorry. Like that wasn't right. And that like most people are pretty damn forgiving because they are like, oh, you get it. Thank you. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's a great example. And the same friend actually ended up getting pregnant. We ended up having children just a few days, our sons, just a few days apart from each other. And I had a really difficult child and she had the just perfect angel, which, but she very much deserved. (laughs) And so she has this perfect angel who was just a sweet little cherub. And I had a baby that screamed full time all the time for like a whole year straight. (laughs) And when she had her second son, she texted her second one was a screamer, like Mm -hmm. big. And I remember her texting me at one point and she said, I'm really sorry if I was ever not compassionate around Mm -hmm. like how the times when you were frustrated, when our boys were so little, because she was like, I have a, my son is Vinny. She's like, I have a Vinny now and I did not get it. Like how unnerving yes. this, like, and I, which she, I had never thought that she had been like, you know, mean or inappropriate or dismissive, but she right. was like all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, maybe I wasn't awesome about this. Maybe just not super understanding. And right. she's like, I really get it now. And I'm exactly. sorry. And I thought that was so thoughtful. 
totally. My best friend, actually, she, we both started our businesses right around the same time. And she just has had a lot faster movement in her business. Cause I was having two children and like, I just, it was hard and I was slow. And she's after she had her baby last year, she was like, I am so sorry. I wasn't there for you more. I did mm. not have any idea yeah. what you were going through. And I was like, that's why we pay it forward, babe. You know, like totally. we pay it forward to the women who come after us, not before us, because we can't know, yeah. right. We can't know until we're there. And then once we're there and it doesn't have to be the same there, obviously all theirs are different. Right. But it's just really that ability to say, gosh, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so impressed with what you've done. Cause that's really what it comes down to is like, you really were a trooper. And it's yeah. so nice to have that encouragement from the people who we love and who love us back. Absolutely. Tell us about the thing you are most and least proud of about being a mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going to become one of my children's books. <laughs> it's called trying to get away from monster mommy. <laughs> so if I all of, a, all of us, like, oh yeah, that sounds, it's a book about me. That got it. <laughs> exactly. I actually want to do something like monster moms committed to self-compassion because oh my God, I, I love it. feel like I am, you know, I've actually never experienced a ton of anger in my life. I just want, I already told you, I suppressed all feelings and found ways around <laughs> so them. You but, never have had one angry day in your whole life. Like literally, I can't tell you of a time that I was angry until this past year. My son is, sounds like Vinny a little bit. And he, Isla, my daughter is almost seven and she is like just so wise and so easy, like easy only in the sense that like, she is like my mini like sidekick person. Like literally I told you, she's like, will you make meditations for all the children? <laughs> right. Like she's so in tune and she's like an introvert. I actually took her through like my own version of Myers-Briggs last night before oh bed. God, and I, I love like, it. I'm such an a INFP. <laughs> I'm an ENFP and she's an INFP. And I was okay. like, Oh, I love it. INFPs. Anyway. So, but Kai, my little guy, I mean, his name means ocean and ocean. <laughs> if you think about an ocean, when I was visualizing that name, I was like, they're peaceful and beautiful. Well, oceans also mm. rage like machines, right? Like and, they're crazy. They rage unpredictably. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And he like lives up to his name. He also loves sharks. So he's like oh really like has embodied the ocean. I love and it. He is so funny and he's so cute. And that's why he's still alive. Um, <laughs> but like, seriously, there are some times where I just seriously don't know how I'm not going to murder him. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes, please. Okay. So with your daughter, did you find yourself taking responsibility, like owning, like, look, she's, I've created her to be in my image. <laughs> I'm like kind of owning this. And then your son came along and you're like, Oh, maybe she just accidentally is that way. <laughs> Actually, I got really good advice early on from my mom's best friend who said, you can only take as much credit as you're willing to take blame. Mm. And I loved that. I held on to that. And I think she may have even said that to me when I was pregnant. So when mm. Isla was born, I never really took credit for how awesome she was because I was like, well, I don't really want to take blame yeah. if she ever like, ends up being like a terrible teenager or whatever. <laughs> so it was kind of like this neutral respect place. Of that like, is I'm very wise. Cause I feel like if I had an easy baby, I would have taken a lot of credit for being an amazing mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the truth, I mean, the truth is, is that like, I was so scared to become a mom mm. that I don't think I gave myself a lot of credit in the yeah. early days because yeah. I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I knew I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And I right. actually leaned a lot on Isla's intuition when she was a baby, because I was like, she's a lot closer to like, you know, the soul like birth. So I'm like, she probably knows more than I do. So like, I always just trusted of like, she's eating as much as she needs to eat. She's crying, you know, like she, I just trusted her, which is kind of a strange thing, but it really was such a healthy thing for our relationship. Okay. I, I've cut you off about monster mommy. So <laughs> monster <go> mommy. <laughs> so monster mommy. So not so long ago, maybe like a few months ago, I had this moment where Kai had literally taken off. He loves being naked. And now that we're back in Austin, we used to live in Oregon. So it was a lot colder. So naked time was a lot less often, but he loves being naked. So he had taken off all of his clothes and he had somehow found a way to open our garage door. He, he, I think he dragged a stool into the garage, opened the garage door and was running naked in the street. Oh my God. <laughs> so, and this is after like, you know, a lot of other things, but I like pull him inside. I'm like, Hey, we're about to leave. We're going, we were going to like a waterfall or something amazing. And I was like, come on, like, let's come inside. We'll just put on your bathing suit and like, get ready to go. 
And he was just not complying to say the least. Right. And I was already like scared because he was in the street. Like they're all this stuff you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, like then he's in the car and he's being a brat and I was so frustrated. And so I take him out of his car seat and I slam every door that I can find. And like literally walking in the house, he's on my hip. I'm walking and I'm slamming every door. Like literally if I could have like slammed every door in the neighborhood, I would have, like, I was so upset and I take him into his room. I set him down on the floor and I scream at the top of my lungs. I'm at the edge. Oh my God. I scared the shit out of that kid. And I literally, he was like, I'm so sorry, mommy. But I feel like that scream that came out my neighbor, who's like become a dear friend of mine. I'd only been in that house for like nine months, but she called, texted me. She's like, solidarity sister. And I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so helpful. Cause I was like, Oh my God. But Aaron, my husband, who actually is very good at expressing his emotions. And he's given me so much permission over the years to do so. He was like, thank God you're normal. It was the funniest thing. Cause like Isla was so scared. Cause she's like, I've never seen you mad before. And literally like it was every anger I'd ever held my whole life came out in that moment. Wow. Like I felt it, the depths of my soul, like screaming out of me. And I was so mad at Kai and like, he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so mm. sorry, mama, you know, like hugging oh, me. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, you guys making up to do. I was like, and in some ways I felt really upset. And in some ways I also felt really relieved. And later I actually thanked him because I was like, baby, thank you for helping me get out some of that anger. That wasn't about you. Like some, a tiny bit of it was like, don't run on the street naked again. But like a lot of that was actually just about mommy, not ever getting to feel that mad. Mm. And so like I explained it, but I definitely was like, gosh. And since then monster mommy is a thing that happens usually late in the night. And I'll say, Kai, do you want monster mommy? Or do you want loving mommy? He's like, loving mommy. I'm like, okay, then you need to get to bed. Because monster mommy, I feel her. I feel her coming. Because you know you can feel that rage like boiling inside of you when you're like, I just want to sleep. Yes. Um, So that's kind of where monster mommy tends to hang out is usually like three, four in the morning time. She will show her ugly face when it is really late and I'm tired and I don't want to be doing this anymore. (laughs) I don't want to be putting you to bed for the 37th time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm so over this and like, I can't be the best part version of myself. So that's probably the thing that I'm working on the most is finding ways to express my anger elsewhere so that it doesn't come out sideways. This episode is supported by Mama Zen. Oh my goodness. I love my Mama Zen app, especially right now. So I'm recording this the week of Thanksgiving. And if you are like me, When you get into the holidays, there's a lot of excitement and the buzz of energy can feel great, but it can also be a little bit of overwhelm, which can lead to some anxiety. If you're like me, you might have like a million lists in your head. Right now I have a list of like, here's my grocery list. And then here's my list of things I need to do in my house before company comes. And those lists add up over time, right? And I know for me, when those lists get too long, I start to lose my patience with everyone around me. And that's where Mama Zen can come in really handy. So Mama Zen is the number one mindful parenting app. So I use Mama Zen when I need to do a little momentary reset. And what I love is that the Mama Zen sessions, when you go into the app, they have over 150 sessions and the sessions are anywhere from two to 15 minutes long. So this is a mindfulness practice that can help you reset your mindset any time of day. When you go into the Mama Zen app, you're going to see sessions with titles like Reduce Mom Guilt or De-Stress SOS or Reduce Anger and Increase Patience or Overcome Anxiety and Overwhelm. And I know right now you're like, yes, I need all of those. I get it. Me too. So Mama Zen is here to help you. If you are a mom who's experiencing impatience or anger or anxiety, this can be for you. The Mama Zen app will teach you how to reframe hard negative emotions that might be feeling keeping you feeling stuck and help you shift into a more positive mindset so you can deal with everything that life throws in your path, especially during these holiday times. I want you to go check out Mama Zen because when you sign up for the Mama Zen app, it creates a totally customized program based for you on your specific challenges and your age of kids. So it is a customized 
app. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to try the Mama Zen app and see for yourself how much better you can feel as a mom. Go to your app store and download Mama Zen today. That's Mama Zen, M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. And right now you can use the promo code SHAMELESS and that code will unlock your 30-day free trial so you can try Mama Zen for yourself and see how much better and happier you can feel as a mom. They're the number one mindful parenting app for a good reason. I cannot wait for you to try it. So use it before you lose it. Can you talk about the come out sideways piece? I think that's a really interesting way to articulate it. And I, I have this like vision of exactly what that looks like <laughs> and how that shows up for me. And I'm, I want to hear how you would describe it. Yeah, that's a great question. It comes out sideways when I'm not expressing the truth. Like, so for example, I'm angry because I'm angry at Aaron or I'm angry that my mom's not here and can't help me and everybody's sick. Or I'm angry because like something didn't go well at work that day. I'm angry because something else. And then Kai, little Kai, sweet, beautiful, adorable Kai comes over and does seven things, you know, that annoy me. And I take out all the anger Mm -hmm. on him. Like that means like Kai, like impatience. Kai, don't do that. Kai, blah, blah, blah. Anytime I'm not my best self. Right. And it's usually not about him. But he's a safe outlet because he's not going to hurt me if I get mad at him, which isn't fair to him. But like if he were an adult man, that might be scarier for me to be enraged. And so it's almost like he's like, unfortunately, the victim of me feeling like there aren't a lot of safe places for me to express my rage Mm -hmm. and thus wanting to find safe places, whether it's a rage room or whether it's beating my pillow up or whether it's like hate journaling and then ripping it to shreds or you know, whatever that may be, I have lots of outlets that I use now, but I teach people how to rage actually, because I don't want to, I don't want him to be the one who gets it because it's not his fault. So I think that your those examples are all super helpful for me. It shows up in being really distracted typically by work stuff. And so mm. an example might be like at the end of the day and, or first thing in the morning, if I have like a really big day coming up and like writing emails in my head. Like I'm trying to like Mm. think through something or thinking like, okay, I have this interview coming and I want to make sure I say these things. And if there's other demands for my attention, then it's not even like rage coming out. It's more just like short and like, Mm -hmm. how dare you require anything from me right now? Because you even know how many things are going on in my head. Like it's kind of that attitude about it and a tone. And that's where it's for me, it's that sideways. And my husband sometimes will catch it to be like, are you okay? But I feel like with my son, he doesn't know. And like, so Vinny's not catching it as much as I'm having to catch myself and be like, okay, I know you're doing your best right now. Like, can we do these things in this a little bit faster so that we can get out the door so we can do whatever whatever, you know, catching myself. Well, and you know, one of the things, Sarah, is that I probably over-explain things to my kids. So like, if I find myself doing that, I'll then later, not usually in the heat of the moment or not even in the like stressful moment, but later I'll be like, Hey, you know, mommy was kind of distracted this morning. I usually say I, but sometimes I'll say mommy, depending on the situation. Right. But you know how I was distracted this morning and you know, you wanted my attention. And honestly, a lot of times it goes right over their head and they don't care, but sometimes I just feel like they totally get it. And I'm just like, Hey, I'm sorry. That wasn't cool. And I want to do better. And I want to be more present with you. And if you ever, we can have a safe word where if you notice that I'm distracted, that you can say, you know, banana or whatever. (laughs) And like, I just give them those tools because I also want them to know that it's not about them. And that's something I've really learned from my husband and my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law, like my husband's super empathetic. And he used to take on my mother-in-law's like upset and think Mm -hmm. it was about him. And it wasn't really until we were adults and like, you know, we've been together for 14 years. So I've known his mom a long time and she's awesome. Um, But it wasn't until we were having these really honest conversations where I learned that, oh, when I'm upset about anything, if I don't tell Aaron what's up, he thinks I'm mad at him Mm because that was a pattern that he had from his childhood where he picked up on his mom's stuff and his mom didn't tell him. And because she didn't want to burden him, but ultimately it was burdening him more deeply because she didn't know. Yeah. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, we have to back up to something because I know, <laughs> I know that moms are listening and they have this question. So you said you teach moms how to rage. Yeah, I teach people how to rage. Tell women. us how to rage. Because I know there's people who are like, hold on, I need the tips. Like, how do I rage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell yes. us the steps. Oh my gosh. So I want to explain that anger is usually a cover for fear. And it's usually a fear of, because there's some kind of threat to love, safety, or belonging, which are our three most basic human needs, love, safety, and belonging. So anger is just usually like the symptom Whereas like underneath that is usually sadness or fear of one of those things being threatened, right? So when people are angry, I like to rage it out partially because underneath is going to be the real thing. So this past weekend, for example, and again, sorry to bring my mother-in-law back into this, but it's so relevant and to right now, I asked her to stay because my husband hurt his back and I said, Hey, can you please stay? And I don't really ask much of anybody in my life. That's something I'm working on is asking for what I need. But anyway, she ultimately put down a boundary and said she couldn't and she wouldn't, and she needed to go home. And I was so mad and so disappointed. And I like, so I vented. So vent gratitude is an exercise I do with a lot of my clients. And it's a great tip here. And people can use this with anyone in their life. Who's not judgmental or who's willing to at least try that hat on. And all you do is you set the timer for three minutes or five minutes and you vent and you vent it all out. And all the person who's receiving that vent has to do at the end is say, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And so, and then once you've completed that, and this goes back to you and my silver linings and a need for like wanting to have gratitude is then you do five minutes of gratitude. So you've gotten an, all the yucky out and then you do your five minutes of gratitude or whatever mirrored time that is. So like if it's mm -hmm. three minutes, three minutes, whatever. So after I was so mad at my mother-in-law, so I went out for a walk. I called, I do, I trained um, people to become compassion coaches. So I actually called one of my clients who's becoming a compassion coach. I said, Hey, can I do event gratitude with you? I vented at her. Mine actually went on for 15 minutes. And then I did 15, <laughs> and I did 15 minutes of gratitude afterwards, which she was so generous to like, let me have that. And then at the end of it all, I realized I missed my mom and I was disappointed mm. that my mother-in-law couldn't right. stay because I was like, if my mom were here, she would have stayed. Totally. And so under my anger was just ultimately a sadness and longing for my own mother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So powerful. And what a great tool to like get to roots of things. Yeah. <laughs> and then this and this and this and this and this and this. And then the yeah. timer goes off and you say, Do you need another minute? Yes, I do. <laughs> and then they say, Thank you. Thank you for sharing that truth. And then you say, Okay, I'm ready for gratitude now. And then you've gratitude it out for like however many minutes. And then yeah. they say, Thank you so much for sharing. And then it's like, Okay, I'm complete. 
And, yeah. you know, sometimes as the venter, I like to be like, do you have any words of wisdom for me? <laughs> Cause sometimes <laughs> you just like need more. I was going to say like, are you allowed to ask for like feedback? <laughs> Well, I think for me, yes, you can. I typically, I tend to, especially with beginners say like, be gentle, not to get feedback because you don't want, sometimes you're not ready for feedback. You were just frustrated and you just wanted to get it out. And so you don't want someone to be like, oh, you really should like your mother-in-law or whatever. And I'm like, I love my mother-in-law. That's why we like protect ourselves is because- we're like, we don't want to feel misunderstood. So, but I did because of who this person was and I trust her. And I said, do you have any words of wisdom? And she goes, be gentle with yourself, Laura. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, what a great compassion coach. Thank you. Yeah. That was awesome. I love it. This episode is supported by Beanbox. Okay, are you looking for a great gift for a coffee drinker on your holiday list? So we actually have multiple family members who are like fancy coffee people. And this is such a fun gift for all the fancy coffee people in your life, or they don't even have to be fancy coffee people, just people who drink coffee who you need a fun gift idea for. So Beanbox connects coffee lovers to some of the world's best specialty coffees with expertly curated tasting flights perfect for gifting. They even have tasting boxes with pairings of coffee with biscotti or chocolate for a decadent treat every food you will enjoy. So I got my bean box tasting flight and it was so fun. Over the course of like two weeks, I went through and I tasted like six or seven different coffees and it was kind of like my mid-morning treat to go and make myself a cup of coffee especially curated by Beanbox. So I know that you are right now thinking, what do I get these people who live across the country? I don't know what they want. I don't know what they need. Or what do I get for people in my household that buy themselves all the things that they need? Get them some Beanbox. So for the coffee lover on your list, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with Beanbox. They have endless variety, guaranteed freshness, and they support small roasters with every sip. Beanbox best-selling gift options are sure to please the coffee aficionado in your life. You can do a coffee gift sampler subscription. You can gift their world coffee tour box or their chocolate tasting box or their biscotti tasting box. There's so many fun options. So here's what you can do to get started today with Beanbox and gift people in your life or gift yourself. Give the coffee fanatic in your life an unforgettable coffee tasting experience with Beanbox. Order today at beanbox.com slash shameless 20 and get 20% off purchases of $40 or more. That's 20% off purchases of $40 or more when you use the promo code shameless 20 at beanbox.com slash shameless 20. That's beanbox.com slash shameless 20 code shameless 20. Tell us one of your greatest fears. One of my greatest fears, and I feel like it drives like every decision that I make is that one day my kids will grow up and be like, somebody will be like, your mom is awesome. And they'll be like, you don't really know her. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I'm so afraid to not be available to them to like have my business grow so much and help so many other people and have them be like, and you neglected us. Mm, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Do you know what that is about that you feel that way? For sure. I mean, I've done a lot of self-analysis, if you can imagine. I would imagine. So So my dad, he was incredibly successful in his business as far as like his ability to earn and provide for our family, but he wasn't around very much for us as kids. And I kind of see myself a little bit in his shoes. Like I'm an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. too. And my mom stayed home and she was amazing. I mean, she was Literally one of the things that was so hard about her death is that it was the first time I felt like she really disappointed me in my whole life, Mm, which is a crazy thing to say for 25 years together, but she was just so available for me. And I just, because I am the kind of person who has the career in the family and my husband is our support, like plays support for my business. And also is kind of the primary parent aside from the fact that he's, you know, a man and I tend to do still mommy things. Right. But I just don't want to ever be you know, not available to them. Yeah. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? I'm a three wing two. Ah, I was just gonna, as I was listening, I was like, I bet she's a three. I know. So I read, and for people listening, if you don't know about the Enneagram, I'm just listen in and you will find it interesting, I think, <laughs> but also pardon us for a minute if we geek out, but 
Um, so the book, the road back to you, are you familiar with that book? No, tell me more. That's so it's, I think it's one of the kind of primary books around the Enneagram and it was recommended mm-hmm. to me. And so many people like take a little quiz to figure out what their Enneagram number is. And mm-hmm. I did that a couple of times and didn't totally feel like the number I was getting was correct. Mm-hmm. And so I got the book and the book says, don't take any of the quizzes, read this book. And as you read the book, you're going to, at a certain point, hit a piece where you're like, oh, that shadow side or like the bad elements Mm -hmm. of that number are going to like really strike you. And you're going to be like, Mm -hmm. oh crap, that's me. So it's not going to be the good parts where you're like, yes, that's totally me. Exactly. (laughs) And I found, so I always test as a two, which Mm -hmm. is the giver. Right. And I, which is nice. Cause I'm like, cool. If I test as a two and I'm a giver, like that's kind of a nice thing to be able to say like, Oh, but it's fine guys. I'm a giver. Right. But when I read the book and I was testing as a, I was like, I don't think I'm as generous as this profile. Thank you quiz. But I don't think I'm that nice. <laughs> so <laughs> then I read the book and when it went through the number the one, which is perfectionist, I was immediately like, oh shoot. Like I didn't think in the first three pages, I would find the one that hits me the hardest and the perfectionist. It's like, you're really critical of the people closest to you and you're super judgy of them. And I was like, all the things that like, you would never want to hear. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my, my God, this is like so embarrassing. I know maybe I'm a one, but then I got to the three and what was interesting to me. And I still struggle with if I'm a one or a three. And I think for a long time, I thought it was a three and now I think it might be a one, but anyway, the three, the downside, the like shadow side of the three is that you're, so the three is the achiever. And as a three, you prioritize achievement over being there for other people at your worst. So this isn't Mm -hmm. like you're always doing that. So it's interesting to me that you have that fear Mm -hmm. of doing that. And Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, that's like a lot of (laughs) self-awareness around like, I might be prone to doing that. And it's like, that's my greatest fear. Totally. And it's like something I want to keep top of mind because I feel like if I keep my awareness on that, on wanting to, instead of not what I don't want, but what I do want, which is I want to be available. And I want to make sure that, you know, at the end of each day, I'm making sure that I get quality time with my kids. I also did like a mini, like, my own love language quiz with the kids last night. I don't know why I was doing that. I was just like super curious, <laughs> I but I like, it. I was like, do you prefer if we cuddle or do you prefer if I buy you something? You know, when I'm present, my, so it's funny because I, Kai is presence first, mm. then quality time, then cuddles. And Isla is words of affirmation. And then she's time spent and then cuddles. And then like, neither, she was like presents. That's ridiculous. You know? And she's like, and I was like, well, that's Kai's first. She's like, Oh, Kai, you know, she's, <laughs> she's like, it was so funny. And so, yeah, I think just like having that awareness of like what they want and need from me, I'm like, Oh, I could just buy a Kai presents and he'll feel loved. And Isla needs like both words and time spent. So yeah. I just knowing that like what they actually want and need from me is really helpful Absolutely. so that I can be available and show up the way they, they need and want from me. I love it. What is something that you wish all parents knew or all parents and adults knew? <laughs> oh, there's, can I say two? Sure. Okay. I'll try <laughs> to be quick, but the first thing I feel like I want all parents to know and adults really to know that we are all grievers and we're all grieving all the time. And that grief is the conflicting feelings that come when things change. And so you say when, that again, cause I know people are like, we're going to rewind it otherwise. Yes. Well, so the grief recovery Institute is where I got my training to do this and I train for them now, but grief is the conflicting feelings. So not like bad, sad, terrible feelings, the conflicting feelings that come when things change, having a baby. Oh, I'm so excited. The baby's so cute. Oh my God, this is terrible. Who am I? Like what happened to me? I miss my partner. I miss being able to go out. Oh my God, this baby is so adorable. Oh my God, this is the most enriching experience of my life, right? Conflicting feelings that come when things change. And so we move houses, we have a baby, we have a second baby and that dynamic changes. We get a job, we get a promotion, we lose a job. Like we get a health diagnosis. We get to go to Hawaii on a trip. Like literally everything in life is a grieving experience. And that leads to my second thing, which is the more compassion we can have for ourselves and all of those and understanding all those pieces of our story that we're grievers and that we're, you know, we need to express all of our feelings, the more compassion or self-compassion that we can have, the more compassion and love and patience that is available for everybody else in our lives. 
And so just like being gentle and kind with yourself and forgiving yourself for all the things that you wish you would have done better. And then like making a commitment to continuing to try is like the best thing we could ever do. And it's the best gift we can ever teach our children is like express your feelings, get them out, love yourself. Because when we know how amazing and enough we are at like as children or as adults, we're so much gentler and more kind to other people. I love that. And I think that's such a powerful way of reframing grief to acknowledge that it's constant and then make it neutral and objective. Because if you just acknowledge that grief is constant, that sounds really awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Make it neutral and objective. And then it doesn't have to be something that's only connected to like massive loss or trauma. And that really shifts it so that there's, I mean, not to make it an at least, but that there's like with that grief is then also this constant trajectory of growth. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. There's this express or there's this thing called post-traumatic growth. And it's this idea that growth through suffering. Mm. And when I, because I deal with so much loss and so much hardship, you know, I have to look at people as whole, you know, I have to see them as whole. And that is what helps me live, you know, and do the work I do because I see them as whole on their growth journey, not broken and needing a fixing. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. I love it. This conversation is that I looked at my clock a minute ago. I was like, oh my gosh, like I thought we'd been talking for like seven minutes. <laughs> this has been so, so fantastic. So can you tell people you mentioned your compassion coaches and you mentioned, mm-hmm. I want you to go into like, tell us about compassion code Academy and being a compassionate communication coach. Like, tell me about what you do, how you work with people. And then you can guide us into how people can connect with you and find you. Yeah. So my work in grief really led to seeing kind of what was missing, which is, gosh, I trained for years, all these people who to become grief recovery specialists, and they are amazing. Most of them are counselors and clergy, social workers, you know, even physicians and psychotherapists and all that stuff. And so many of them still don't know how to talk to people about grief. And so that's where the compassion code, my book, how to say the right thing when the wrong thing happens started, because I was like, well, if those people don't know, then how the heck is any regular person supposed to know? And so the compassion code is really the answer to that. It's like, here are the ways in which you can show up for people without feeling like you're backpedaling or then going back in your head being like, Oh God, did I do it right? Or, you know, and then also having that compassion for yourself for the ways that you have said things. And so the compassion code led to the compassion code Academy, which is a leadership and communication training, but really ultimately underneath that is self-love, self-compassion, self-worth, honoring your own losses in your own life experience so that you can then show up more fully and more availably, if that's a word for other people. And so that's like, it's a great passion. And what I found is a program I created, you know, almost a decade ago now called surviving to thriving. It's a holistic approach to healing after loss. I wasn't really interested in doing that with clients anymore. Cause I'm so into compassion code Academy, but a lot of my clients wanted access to that program. So I started a compassion coach training where I basically teach people how to hold space in a, in no matter what the scenario is, and they can then use the surviving to thriving program with their own clients. So that's been super fun. That's only been going on for about a year. And it's like kind of my new, it's just super duper fun to see and witness all these people just being amazing. One woman is like leading a book study with the compassion code with like all these women from her church. And I'm like, that's so cool. And so she'll send me the feedback that they've been having. And it's so cool. So yeah, it's just such an amazing journey. And I feel like my mom would be so proud. Oh my goodness. Yes, she absolutely would. This has been so fascinating and relatable. And I feel like I know I've connected dots and I know many of our listeners have connected dots that needed to be connected. And to think that that like all comes from your grief mm-hmm. and you processing that grief and what a great place that it's brought you to. This has been so incredible. Our final question is how are you showing up as a shameless mom? And you've given so many great examples, I know. Already, but go ahead and give us one more. Gosh, you know, letting my kids cry in public, that is so shameless. It is like where I feel most badass because it's like, it's so easy to shush your kids yeah. and, and be embarrassed because you want them to perform a certain Mm -hmm. way. 
And for me, it's my growing edge to let them have all of their feelings all the time, whenever they need to, and let them out and teach them how to do that in a healthy, safe way and teach them like the most appropriate places. But when you're three, like everywhere is actually an appropriate place. And, you know, so when you, over the years, like learn and teach them, like, that's the thing I feel most shameless about is like, you feel your feelings. I am never going to tell you to not feel your feelings. And I think that's the thing I feel like it takes a lot of courage to be shameless in that area. Yes, it does. Especially when people are staring and judging and you're Uh like, you're sweating. (laughs) You're totally sweating. You're totally sweating. Yes. And you're, you're having all I do in my head is say, I love myself enough. I love Mm -hmm. myself enough. I love myself enough because ultimately I'm scared for their judgment, but who gives a shit? I'll never see them again. Totally. Totally. I love it. Oh my goodness. Laura, thank you for this. This has been incredible. I'm so grateful. Next time you write another book, you got to come back and tell us all about <laughs> okay, it. I will. I love sharing. I love having the opportunity to dig more into these kinds of conversations and then also promote your books. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm super excited. The compassionate conversations with kids. My hope is 2022. So I'll keep you posted. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.